Good morning. Is it morning? Say to your neighbor, it's good to see you today. I'm not sure whose phone this is. You know, it's a nice phone. I wouldn't mind having it. Whose phone is this? Okay. Uh, before we um, share the word, just want to remind you of a few important notices. How many of you have seen this uh, beautiful thing here, leaflet? Anyone have one of these? Anyone have one of these? Okay, right, great, you've got one. All right, so just bringing your attention to the Christmas Day service. Uh, that will be on Christmas Day. <laughs> so I um, want to encourage you, uh, Christmas Day service is not a time for you not to come to church. Amen. If anybody should be celebrating and worshiping God on Christmas Day, it should be us. Somebody said, but the Lord was not born on the 25th of December. That's right. He wasn't born on the, what's today's date? He wasn't born on the 27th of November either, but we are here, isn't it? So if there is any day we should come to church, it should be on the 25th of December. Even the world is saying there is a Christ mass. So uh, how much more the body of Christ? I know some Christians make a point not to celebrate Christmas. That's great. We thank God for your life and your wonderful revelation. But uh, come to church. We're coming to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And use it as an opportunity to invite people. Obviously, the, the venue will be at St. Alphages, um, where we were last year. And if you don't know where that is, just put it on your sat-nav, uh, the, the postcode, and you'll find it. Wonderful. Or ask somebody here. Also, say Embrace 2017. Yeah, we're going to have our own. Grange will have its own. All our CLF churches are having their own locally. And we'll be having ours. We'll be at Charlton Stadium. Hallelujah. We've hired the whole stadium. The stadium of thousands of people. We are believing God. No, not really. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That sounded really good. No, we've hired a place in the stadium for sure. But it's not the whole stadium. It's, it's a, a, a room about this size. And uh, we're going to have a, a wonderful time together. So please uh, make that a date and don't be late. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you. We're going to be praying into that in our prayer services. So I want to encourage you to really begin to use these leaflets as tools to invite people and bring them and uh, they'll be really blessed. Wonderful. All right. Today we culminate or conclude our teaching series on wisdom. I think this is part 10. Is it part 10? Part 11? What, what part is it? Well, it's wisdom anyway. So we're going to conclude on the, the wisdom of the wise woman. The wisdom of the wise woman. Last week we began to look at two women in Proverbs and um, we looked specifically at the foolish woman, the wisdom or the, the ways of the foolish woman. And today we're going to look at the wisdom of the wise woman. So let's just go over a few things. Proverbs 14.1, he says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. And we said that all of us are being nurtured 
either by the wise woman or by the foolish woman. Because spiritually speaking, that which nurtures us and influences us to become the people we are is like a mother to us. So spiritually, when you talk about mothering, you're talking about the influence and the nurturing um, virtues of God the Father that is deposited in humanity, especially particularly through women. So whilst fathering may speak of our identity, authority, and character, mothering speaks of our nurturing and our molding. And Christian leaders are supposed to be both fathers and mothers as part of their developing God's people. So just like in the body of Christ, uh, men are called the bride of Christ and women are called sons of God. Even so, when it comes to this, it has to do with the influence or the, 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 the way in which one is being nurtured and one is being molded. And uh, we talked about the fact that in the scriptures you will discover whenever the word of God wants to make a point about a leader, especially in the Old Testament, it will mention their mother's name highlighting the influence of their mother on them to become the kind of person that they were. All right, so we said that the wise woman in particular, there were four things that in the scriptures you find, it says the wise woman this, the wise woman that, and there are four things in particular that the scripture says about the wise woman. One, she builds her house. That is, she is productive. Number two, she stands before kings. That is, she has authority. Number three, she's able to deliver cities from certain destruction. That is, she has restorative influence. And number four, she employs wisdom in all that she does. She employs wisdom in all that she does because she is the embodiment of wisdom itself. And uh, we also said that the contrast between the wise woman and the foolish woman is this. The wise woman represents Christ, and the foolish woman represents who? Sin. The foolish woman represents sin, not the devil. The devil is not Christ's opposite. No. The devil, the opposite, if the devil had an opposite, it would be you. Hallelujah. That's a compliment. It's the church. We are, his, we are the ones on this earth that can deal with. With him. There is no other force on this planet outside of the Holy Spirit that can deal with the enemy except the church of the living God. All right, so we're going to look now at the ways of the wise woman. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. Um, and by the way, just for study, future study, maybe we'll look at it. Proverbs chapter 8 in particular is an exhaustive declaration about the wise woman and or about wisdom and how she what she is like and what she does and so forth. We don't have time for it in this teaching series. Another time, I'm planning on doing the Pearls of Proverbs, Pearls of Proverbs series, and maybe we'll, we'll go into that one in more detail. Okay, Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. So we're going to look at the wise woman in contrast to the foolish woman that we looked at last week. Verse 1, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. 
And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat bread, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. Now, again, let me reiterate a few things. When we're talking about wisdom, remember when we were addressing the different levels of wisdom, we said the highest form of wisdom is what? Is what? Are you still here? What's the highest form of wisdom? Christ. All the wisdom in the scriptures and all the wisdom out there in the world, if it is true wisdom, it will always point to an aspect of Christ, the uncreated Son of God. It will always point to him. So all true wisdom, because all true wisdom have their source in him. And so it is important that as we learn about wisdom, what you have to realize is that not only are we learning things on how we live our daily lives, but more importantly, we are learning about how we can become more like Christ. See, throughout this year, our vision, our emphasis and our vision has been um, fulfilling our vision, which is to make disciples. And so for us, as we are looking at wisdom, we are always interested in what it speaks of, of our Lord Jesus, and how it affects our lives as his disciples. So the first thing about wisdom is this. She has built her house. What does that speak of? It speaks of the reality that wisdom has already established its parameters and its boundaries. In other words, when it comes to wisdom, there isn't something else that you are going to find that will contradict Christ and his ways. And you're not going to find another wisdom that undermines what has already been revealed. Wisdom has already built her house. It's already established. So when you understand what wisdom is, which is the correct application of knowledge, and you are dealing with any challenge, the first thing you have to ask is, what does the word of God have to say about it? And when you find out what the word of God has to say about it, that is the wisdom of God. There is no other revelation beyond that. Now, it is a very simple truth, but as a pastor, many times I have to deal with the issue of pointing out to people what the wisdom of God is, and they'll say something like this, I know what the Bible says. So they will reduce it from the wisdom to the Bible says. But, pastor, you need to know there is something else. Wisdom has built a house. The house of wisdom is also established somewhere. It's established somewhere. Now, it, I'll just be clear where it's established. The scripture says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, talking about God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ is hidden all the treasures or all the valuable aspects of wisdom, all wisdom, and true knowledge. So the house that wisdom has established, that word built, is not, it's not talking about like wisdom has built a house somewhere. It's, it's like this. Wisdom has already established where it lives. That's what he's saying. Wisdom has already established where it lives. And wisdom, true wisdom, 
is rooted in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 119, He says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your word is settled in heaven. This is a very important foundation when it comes to wisdom. I want to encourage you to exalt the word of God above everything else in your life because that is where wisdom dwells. That is the source of true wisdom. Beloved, if you can appreciate the revelation of the wisdom that is in our Lord Jesus Christ for everyday living, you will not be put to shame. The wisdom of Christ is not limited to the religious arena. It touches every aspect of life. And once discovered, the house of wisdom becomes the abode of the wise. So once a wise man or woman discovers where wisdom abides, which is in Christ, then Christ becomes their home. And Christ becomes their source. And Christ becomes the paradigm or the lens through which everything else is determined. This is so important. Beloved, we have been talking about wisdom for 11 or so weeks. I, I can't know. I can't, I've lost count. Um, and I want to say this to you. I plead with you that you will treasure the authority of wisdom and the word of God above every other situation. It will save you so much pain. It will save you so much trouble. The scripture says something. The way of the transgressor is hard. After 25 years of pastoring, I can honestly say that scripture is true. The way of the transgressor is hard. What is a transgressor? It is anybody who goes outside of the boundaries that God has already established and does something else. That is a transgressor. It's hard. Second thing about wisdom is this. She has hewn her seven pillars. Another version says this. She has set up seven pillars. Or another version says she has erected or carved out its seven pillars. Now, in studying this seven pillars, there are, I ask, so what are these seven pillars? You know, the scriptures is so amazing when you study the word of God. And you discover different ones have different answers to the seven pillars. But like anything in God's word, it is sublime, it's deep. In other words, there are seven, the word seven has several Applications. One of it is the literal number, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Another one is that it speaks of completion. Another one, it speaks of infinity. Seven times seven times seven. Because it's a, it's a number of perfection. It's a number of perfection. So when we talk about the seven pillars of wisdom, it's saying this, that one aspect is this, that wisdom is complete. It has erected its pillars or that which holds it together is complete. It's complete. There isn't anything outside of it. And another aspect is this, is that when you look at the seven pillars of wisdom, it's almost like 
a multiple of sevens. In other words, it emphasizes the fact that you can see throughout the scripture seven different aspects of wisdom throughout the scripture. So for instance, even in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, there are seven different characteristics of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 7, in this Proverbs 9 here, there is um, seven, and you find the sevenfold spirit of God, and one of it is the spirit of wisdom. You find uh, the seven characteristics in James chapter 3, verse 17, that we mentioned about, all to do with wisdom. So what the scripture is really showing us is this, is that the the, the seven pillars of wisdom speaks to us about the completeness of the characteristics of wisdom. And any time you see wisdom, you see maturity. You will see completion. So I want us to look at one aspect of these seven pillars. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12 to 14. Proverbs 8, 12 to 14 shows you seven aspects to wisdom that you need to hold it together. He says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Now we're not going to go into it because of time. But these are the seven characteristics. Prudence. That is the ability to be able to foresee and to plan ahead. Knowledge is another one. We've touched on knowledge, won't go there, which is um, reality and facts and the true, under, uh, uh, the true reality concerning an issue. That is knowledge. Uh, the fear of the Lord, which is the foundation of wisdom. Counsel which is the ability to advise or bring solution to a complex situation through the things that you advise. Sound wisdom or judgment, the ability to discern what is right and wrong. Understanding, which is the ability to perceive accurately. And strength, which is power or might. And all of these are contained in the wisdom that comes from Christ. So when we talk about wisdom, when you, when you see the seven pillars of wisdom active in a person's life, it cannot go wrong. Now here is the danger. And this is what we see in the life of Solomon. Where Solomon had wisdom, but he did not have it in its fullness, or rather, let me put it like this, he did not apply it in its fullness. So he did not allow the wisdom that he had to mature and govern every aspect of his life. And this is why, as great a king as he was, in fact, his kingship ended up being a disaster. He ended up being a disaster because after him, the kingdom split forever. So what, what are we saying? It is not enough to have wisdom. You must ensure that its pillars are established in your life. Can you say amen? We'll look at this another time because of time. The third thing is this. She has slaughtered her meat. Another thing about wisdom is she has slaughtered her meat. In other words, this speaks of the sacrifices of wisdom. The sacrifices of wisdom. If you want to grow in wisdom, you have to be willing to pay the price necessary. If you want to grow in wisdom. But it also speaks to us of the ultimate sacrifice that wisdom has provided, which is who? Christ. 
the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Notice the statement. She has slaughtered her meat. She has slaughtered. In other words, there are certain things that wisdom has already established. And the ultimate sacrifice was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8. Our Lord Jesus, where before anything began, he was crucified. And in other words, wisdom prepares for the unforeseen. It prepares for the unforeseen. So when you are operating in wisdom, sometimes you will not know it. By virtue of the position of wisdom you take, you will prevent a disaster that was waiting for you. Sometimes when you take the step of wisdom, you will lose everything. You lose everything. But in so doing, you gain much more. Yeah. Number four, she has mixed her wine. Her wine speaks of her influence. And the ultimate influence is who? The Holy Spirit. He is the new wine drank anew in the kingdom of God. Our Lord Jesus, when he was eating of the fruit of the wine in Matthew 26, 29, he said, I will not drink the fruit, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. Now, in the millennium, for sure, he would do that, but we drank the new wine from the day of Pentecost, which is the Holy Spirit. And this is why you discover that in Acts chapter 2, verse 13, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and people saw it, they were mocking and said, they are full of new wine. Now, scriptures are very powerful. And then Peter says in verse 16, uh, 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 this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men see visions, old men dream dreams, etc. The point there is this. The new wine, the wine that wisdom has mixed, is the influence of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Beloved, when you walk in the true wisdom of God, it will not negate the influence of the Holy Spirit. This is why at times... I'm very concerned about believers who live simply out of their mind and not out of the Spirit. You've got to know what the Holy Spirit has to say about the issue in your life. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all, all been made to drink into one spirit. So, the wine that wisdom has mixed is the wine of the Holy Spirit's influence in your life. Can you say amen? Number five, she has furnished or prepared her table. It speaks to us of the provision of wisdom. I'm showing you the ways of wisdom in contrast to the foolish woman. Remember her? Stolen, stolen waters, are sweet, that's what she has to offer you. And bread eaten in secret is what? Pleasant, or something like that, yeah. But look at this one, wisdom on the other hand, she has also furnished her table. And the table speaks of the provision of wisdom, which is the ultimate provision of wisdom 
is the marriage supper of the Lamb. In the beginning of the millennial reign, now some people have a different take on it, that's cool. But wherever it is something, we're going to have it in heaven and then come down, that's cool. I believe that we're going to have it anyway. Whether here, there, anyway, it's going to happen. And the point is, is this. This is the ultimate provision. The marriage supper of the Lamb. In Revelations 19, verse 19, he said, Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true saints of God. Beloved, you can only be part of this kind of provision when your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I am one who is convinced your name can be written in that book and then it can be blotted out. I am convinced. You see David praying, he says, blot out their name from your book of life. Erase it. So my point, I'm just throwing that in there. My, 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 my point is, is this. My question to you is, is your name written in that book? Are you sure your name is written in that book? You can say, I believe it is, I believe it is, but is it? I'll never forget many years ago in the early days of my pilgrimage, I had a vision. And in the vision, I was in this long queue and there was an angel standing there. And then you, let me see, can I remember? One went this way and I think that way was my left. I can't remember. It was one went one way. I'm sure it was that way. It would have been his right. But it was my left and it was to hell. And the other one went that way which was my right, and just left to, to the kingdom. And so many were being going, and I'm like, hey, and I'm coming, coming, and I'm coming. And he was just checking the book, just to check to see if your name was in it. And then he reached me, and he just went like that, to go to the hell bit. And I, and I looked at him, and I went, check again. I'm thinking, in my head, I thought, I didn't move. Well, you just pointed like check again kind of you can't say check again on that day you know you can't do that and then you went oh no no sorry they even made a mistake because of me amen but my point is that was a little thing that the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me in my pilgrimage but my point is this is your name written you see because that's that table of wisdom is prepared for the elect which is both Jew and Gentile amen also, the, apart from the, this table, the ultimate table of wisdom, which is the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is also speaks to us of the feast at the table of salvation. Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 3, he says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine, which is the Holy Spirit, and milk, which is the word of God, without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that, for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. This speaks about God's invitation to the human race for salvation. But this is one of the provisions of wisdom where he provides a table of salvation. When you read this, it's quite sad. It's like, why are you wasting your life 
spending your energy, trading your soul for that which does not benefit you? Why don't you run and come and buy that which is precious? That costs you nothing, but it will cost you your life as well. Amen. And then another thing about wisdom is this. She also calls us to enjoy the table of God's provision whilst facing persecution. Remember Psalm 23? Psalm 23, 5, you may be going for a tough time. He says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. One of the things wisdom does is it empowers you to enjoy in the midst of those who are persecuting you. Wisdom gives you the boldness, the confidence to enjoy your life whilst others are trying to kill you. Whilst others are scheming against you, wisdom prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies as you eat like I eat. Yeah. And they can't do nothing. That is the superior provision of wisdom. Number six, she has sent out her maidens. It speaks of the servants of wisdom. Those empowered by wisdom to go forth and declare the wisdom of God. You see, you are either a maiden of the foolish woman or a maiden of wisdom. What does that speak of? It speaks of those who declare the word of God. She has sent out her maidens. She has apostolized. She has released them with an apostolic mandate. You see, when wisdom empowers you, and when you are walking in wisdom, you automatically can fulfill your commission. Yeah. So this speaks of the fact that wisdom gives you an assignment. Wisdom is not just for the head. It's so that you do something with it. And the greatest commission is that which we have been given through the gospel to make disciples of all nations. In Psalm 68, verse 11, the NIV version, he says it like this. The Lord announces his word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. In other words, when wisdom has influenced you, it commissions you to declare the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That word preacher is not someone behind the pulpit. Without somebody declaring it. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Beloved, I want you to know that your feet is beautiful. Even if you have clubfoot, it's beautiful in Jesus' name. Your feet is beautiful because your feet speaks of your assignment. Your feet speaks of your mission. And God's heart for every one of his people is that we recognize our assignment of sharing the gospel. It is an assignment on everyone, and it is a signature of wisdom. So wherever a 
And whatever you have been called to do with your life, remember you are a maiden of wisdom with an assignment. Number seven, she cries out from the highest places of the city. I've got eight more minutes and then I'm done. According to my watch here, eight more minutes and then I'm done. I don't know which watch, I think your thing is a bit wrong, your watch. But anyway, hallelujah. She cries out from the highest places of the city. What's that? It speaks of the authority of wisdom invested in those men and women who are in places of governance. You see, what this is saying is that the city speaks of civil authority. And the highest places speaks of those of influence. And what wisdom is saying is, is listen, I'm everywhere. I am in places of authority. And ultimately, what wisdom is saying is this, I am the authority. If anybody wants to govern well, they have to consult me. This is why we have the insanity we have in the world today, because they have rejected wisdom. You know, yesterday Fidel Castro died, and uh, you know, he's, he's a polarizing influence. Some think he's awful. Jeremy Corbyn thinks he's great. Um, Donald Trump thinks he's awful. So who do we believe, Jeremy or Donald? So my, my, my daughter said, um, what was he like? She asked me, as if I knew him, you know, what, what, was, he, what was he like? So I said, well, he, he, was a, he was a world leader. And she said, was he a baddie? So I said, well, he was better than most. So was he good then? I said, no, he's, 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 he was bad. It's just that the rest are awful. Now, he, he was a bad leader in the sense of he was a tyrant, for sure. But at least his tyranny was because he was trying to help the poor compared to these other ones. I'm not saying Fidel was a saint. I'm sure he's recognizing the reality of eternity right now. Only God knows which part he's enjoying it or enduring it. But the point is, I saw one picture, Satan, you can have him or something, I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know these things. I'm not there. But the point is, I was just saying to my daughter, he was a bad person as far as I can see. I don't know him personally. He was a type, killed a lot of people and all of that stuff. But compared to the, a lot of these rest, lead, rest of these so-called world leaders, he was better. Because at least he was out to help the poor, as far as I can see. Because according to sources, I don't know how true it is because I'm not there. In Cuba, education is free. I don't know if it's true. I'm not there. Healthcare is free. I don't know if it's true. I'm not there. Uh, uh, and some other free things are there. Um, let's just move on. The point is, is this. Wisdom is everywhere. Right? And it, wisdom speaks to us of the fact that when she cries from the highest places of the city, she is saying this. Anyone in authority, wisdom makes an invitation to them. And anybody who needs help by those in authority, wisdom makes a case to you, a plea to you. So one of the things you have to understand is that the highest authority in our land is not parliament. It is wisdom and the wisdom of God. This is why in Romans chapter 13, 1 and 2, he says this. 
let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. You know, this is one of the things, let me just add here. At times, there's elections and people are praying. Shabba yabba, God, let the, bring the right man, bring the right woman, bring them, oh God, bring it. Whatever, God, bring it in Jesus' name, bring it. Then we all vote. Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done. And we all vote. And after we all vote, we have, let's say, Brexit. Ah, what is this now? We reject Brexit. Wait a minute. I thought we were asking God. So didn't God hear your prayers? So it is safe to say Brexit is the will of God. Hey! I wish I had a, I was in question time and they asked me, so do you think Brexit is the will of God? It would be simple, yes, I, I, I do. <laughs> How can you say that? Simple. Then they'll say, so do you think that Donald Trump is the will of God? I certainly do. Look at all the praying that went on. All the prophecies. There were prophets who prophesied, Hillary is coming. Hillary will win. And she didn't. So they said, well, she got the popular vote. She didn't win. Your prophecy says she will win. My point is, is this. At times, God will give bad leaders and good leaders. I'm not saying Trump is a bad leader, and I'm definitely not saying he's a good one either. At times, God will allow a nation to have bad decisions because that is part of the dictates of wisdom. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that you have to understand wisdom is impartial. Wisdom is impartial. Wisdom only favors those who favor her. And that will be your story in Jesus' name. We're nearly done. She, verse, not verse 8, um, verse 4, um, number 8. Wisdom appeals to the simple. Whoever is simple, let him turn in. Let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, such and such. In other words, it speaks to those who acknowledge their ignorance and need to learn. Ultimately, it speaks of the poor in spirit. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In the economy of wisdom, the more you think you know, the less you know. In the economy of wisdom, the more you recognize you don't know, the more you're going to know. That's how wisdom is. That's how wisdom is. She appeals to the simple. So the simple is speaking of those individuals who recognize their absolute poverty and their absolute need. In contrast to the simple with the foolish woman who are those who believe anything. Who believe anything. No. Simple here is they recognize their ignorance and their need, to, their need for wisdom. Number nine. She invites those willing to feast on the bread and wine she has prepared for them. She says in verse 5, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. So what this is, is wisdom offers a solution of bread and wine to every challenge one faces. In other words, wisdom's solution to any challenge is the word of God and the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's the solution of wisdom. We don't have time. And then finally, number 10, she offers an alternative to your current situation. 
She offers an alternative to the status quo. She offers an alternative to what you are going through right now. Verse 6, forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. This speaks to us of the need for salvation and the need for the life of holiness and righteousness that is found in Christ. These are the ways of wisdom. You find in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 and 40 to 42, he says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be safe from this perverse generation. That is the advice of wisdom. Then those who gladly received his word, that is those who embraced wisdom, were baptized. Thank God we're baptizing some people today in Jesus' name. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. I am believing God for where one day we will baptize and over 3,000 will be added to the church in Jesus' name. That will be CLF corporate, of course. Amen. That's as far as my faith can go right now. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayers. The point that I want you to see is this, is that when you embrace wisdom, there will be certain things you will let go of and there will be certain things you will begin to do. I pray you will embrace the way of wisdom. Amen. Amen. I pray you will embrace the way of wisdom. So as we conclude in this series, I want to pray. I want us to pray over you for an impartation of the spirit of wisdom. I want the ministers in CLF to come and stand with me. And we're going to pray an impartation of wisdom over everyone who wants that impartation. Now, once one person prays over you, please go back to your seat. Um, if you don't want prayer, don't come. But I want the worship team to come. I, I will pray over you, worship team. Don't worry. And then we're going to pray because I feel in my spirit as I've been praying that we should impart the spirit of wisdom. Amen? So why don't we just bow our heads, close our eyes. We're going to uh, do something now. If the ministers can come to the front, please. You're going to help us pray for people, declare wisdom over people. And those of you in this room here, you might be here today and you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus. You are the most important person I want to pray for. And you are saying that you want to embrace wisdom for your life. If that's your testimony, why don't you raise your hand where you are? I want to pray with you first of all. You are saying... You want to surrender your heart, your life to Jesus. Raise your right hand so that I can see you. I want to pray for you. Or you are saying you want to surrender your heart to wisdom. Perhaps you've given your life to the Lord already, but you recognize that right now in your life, wisdom is not governing your heart. Something else is. If that is you, raise your right hand. I want to pray over you quickly. And as you raise your right hand, I don't want you to come to the front. Not yet, anyway. I want to pray for you where you are. Stand where you are, and I'm going to pray over you. And then, after I've prayed over you, if you want to come and have these people impart the spirit of wisdom to you as well, then come first, and then we will minister to you before we do anything else. Father, in the name of Jesus, these precious ones that are standing right now, I stretch out my hands towards them. Lift up your hands where you are. And I ask, Father, for the spirit of wisdom to come upon them afresh. Lord, I pray against the bitterness of the soul 
that the enemy would want to seed in some of these standing. And I say, let it be uprooted in the name of Jesus. I pray against the seed of the foolish woman of sin that would seek to pollute these precious ones. I say, let it be uprooted in the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask that right now, the spirit of wisdom will be imparted to these precious ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come to the front and get prayed for. The rest of you, I want us to just stand to our feet. And we're going to just worship the Lord. Uh, Ashes, if you can also help us. So those of you coming who stood first, just come for prayer. And then once, just lay hands on men of God. I want you to listen to me, men and women of God. Guys, guys, can you just listen, please? You lay hands on them and you declare an impartation of the spirit of wisdom by faith. And then you release them and let them go. If you need to pray further for them, let them stand aside for now because of time. And once we finish praying for everyone, laying hands on everyone, then you can minister special to them, please. So follow the protocol so that we can minister to everyone. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's begin to reach out. Begin to reach out. Open the floodgates of heaven. Love. 